Our scripture for this morning comes from 1 Samuel 8, 4-20. through Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel in Ramah and said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow in your ways. Appoint for us then a king to govern us like other nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to govern us. Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Just as they have done to me from the day I brought them up out of Egypt to this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so also they are doing to you. Now listen to their voice. Only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel reported all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, There will be the ways of the king who, these will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some will plow his ground to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his courtiers. He will take one-tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and his courtiers. He will take your male and female slaves and the best of your cattle and donkeys and put them to his work. He will take one-tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in that day you will cry out because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel. They said, No, but we are determined to have a king over us so that we also may be like other nations and that our king may govern us and go out before us and fight our battles. May God add a blessing to this reading of the text and cause it to be the inspired word for us today. Give us a king. The Israelites said to Samuel, And then they were mean about it. You're old, they said. You're a nice guy, but you're old. (laughs) And your sons? Eh, not so much. They're kind of, we don't know about them. They're not much to write home about. We want a king. Samuel kind of took it personally. I'm sure you can imagine. But God said to Samuel, you know what? It's not you, it's me. They're mad at me. They're rejecting me. They're rejecting me the way they have done since I led them out of Egypt. You know, they cried out to me about being slaves. So I sent them Moses. Moses led them out. I promised to take care of them. And the minute they got out there, they started grumbling against me. God was taking it a little personally too. (laughs) They started grumbling against me. They asked for help, so I talked to Moses. I was giving him my commandments, and while he was gone, they decided to melt down some gold, and they started praying to this statue. 
Oh no, it's me they're rejecting as their king. So don't worry about it. Go ahead. Let them have their king, God says to Samuel. And Samuel says, okay, you can have your king, but here's what's gonna, what that king's going to do. He's going to take your men, going to send them to war, he's going to take your women and make them work in his household and be his concubines, and he's going to take all of your stuff, and he always take the good stuff. Always take the best of the stuff. And you're going to have to work for this king, and you will be his slave. Are you sure you want that? Samuel says. And they say, yeah. Exactly what we want. And then the truth comes out. We want a king. It's not because Samuel's old. That was just a, you know, that was a red herring. We want a king so that we can be like everybody else. Everyone else has a king. All these countries we've been conquering, they have a king. We want a king. And we want a king so that we can be governed like everybody else. And we want a king so that that king can go fight our battles for us. We don't have to. Samuel was flabbergasted. God did nothing that was not for the sake of all the people of God. Every move God make, God made for them was for them. Not one selfish thing did God ever do. A king, on the other hand, can't do that. A king takes care of his own interests all the time and takes care of the people he really likes, usually at the expense of someone else. A king has to have an aristocracy around them, and it helps to have a peasantry as well that you can exploit and take advantage of. God never did that. But like what seems to happen in American politics, the people voted against their own interests. So they got their king. They ran off to Gilgal in the next few chapters, and Samuel anointed Saul king. Saul was a great guy. He was, he was big, and he was tall, and he looked great on a chariot right and that's what you want in a king right you want someone who looks good on a chariot and carries a sword and looks good right he had a he had a nice voice and a nice he just looked good he looked like a king kind of king you want and so samuel anointed him and i'll be darned if saul did not do exactly what god warned the people he would do He led their men into war. He took their women as servants and wives. He took their gold and he made demands. And indeed, Israel was like everybody else. More than that, there was a constant battle between Saul and God's mouthpiece Samuel. Samuel would come and say, God tells you to do this. And Saul would do what he wants. Saul didn't mean to, he just, he's a king. Kings do that. He felt empowered and emboldened. And so God's desires were in constant conflict with the king's desires. And it reminds me of you can't serve God and money. 
You're going to love one and hate the other. Well, you can't serve two kings either. You can't have God be king and someone else be king as well. And it was constant. And it, didn't, it was no different with David. Following Saul came David, the greatest king. A king who was after God's own heart. But even David, the greatest king, had that problem. He did all those things too. And he constantly defied Nathan who came to him saying, God is telling you to do this. And David said, I'm going to do what I want. Got in trouble for it all the time. No wonder. And so, and they, when so much was this, this love of David that when being God's chosen race got to be oppressive, what did they long for? They wanted a king again, like David. When the Greeks came in and conquered them, they wanted a king like David to come and save them. When the Romans conquered them, they wanted a king like David to come and save them. And so they waited for the Messiah, the anointed one of God, who would fight their battles, who would govern them, and who would help them be like everyone else. We want to be like the Romans with, a, with our own Caesar who will put us on top. No wonder they didn't recognize Jesus as king when he came because he certainly did not fit any of those expectations they had on what a king looks like. Jesus was a very different kind of king. The people waited and prayed for a king. And they got one. But this time it was on God's terms. This king would insist that to follow him would mean not only to be not like everybody else, but even to be shunned and ridiculed for it. Luke says, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man. You follow me, people are going to not like you also says in john remember the word that i said to you servants are not greater than their masters if they persecuted me they will persecute you if they kept my word they will keep yours also this king this king jesus would insist not to be governed that we not be governed but that we be one and that we love one another Let that govern your relationship with one another. Jesus says in John, I give you a new command that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. No, no, it's not by your great leaders that they will know you are followers of Jesus. It's not by your great organization. It's not by how wonderful your leaders look on a chariot. Or the battles you'll win, it's by your love of one another. Let that govern you. This king doesn't fight our fights for us, nor does he lead us into battle. But he puts us always, always, always on the path to peace. Amen? Always on the path to peace. And he gives us the strength to fight, but to do it in love, not hatred. And to fight against violence, not using violence, 
Fire doesn't really fight fire. I don't know if you've ever, that cliche. Fire, fighting fire with fire just means more fire, doesn't it? I, don't, I never understood that, that saying. I thought it was kind of silly. Fire doesn't help fire. <laughs> you throw a little water on the fire. <laughs> not with violence. And not to claim victory in conquest. But to claim victory when we are in reconciliation. When we are in peace. When we have mended the brokenness brother to brother sister to sister when we have experienced shalom that is that that godly peace between one another that's when we declare victory amen not with a sword but with open arms and love and compassion the israelites asked for a king and they got saul they didn't That didn't quite go the way they expected. (laughs) They asked for a Messiah and they got Jesus. Again, not really what they were hoping for. You know, we find ourselves sometimes wanting something that really isn't best for us and regretting it when we get it. We find ourselves sometimes wanting to be like everybody else. Wanting to be told what to think and feel. Oh yeah, that's easy. In fact, this happens so often in Christianity, it makes me nuts. The, the, I don't know why it is, but it seems to me the fastest growing churches in the world today are the ones that insist that you stop thinking about what you think and what you, uh, what you feel about God. And just listen and do as you're told. And think what I tell you to think. I don't know why we do that. Why do we do that? Well, maybe it's easy. You know, it's easier if I give you a list and I say, well, if you do this, 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 and this, you're fine. If you don't do this, this, and this, you're fine. Follow the list and everyone's going to be okay. Well, that, that would be easy. Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. We're not governed that way. Following Jesus, a life in Christ, is messy, it's difficult, it's chaotic, it's complicated. We find ourselves longing to have someone fight our battles for us. Sometimes we want a king. Sometimes we want that leader who will show us the way and in fact take all the the blows for us. And we can sit back and revel in it when he does well or she does well and criticize when he or she doesn't do well. And it's great to sit back in our righteousness and do that. But I tell you this, as followers of Christ, our King offers us a kingship that is beyond our expectations and desires that doesn't fit any of those things we think we want out of leadership, out of a king. Here's the thing. Giving ourselves over to God doesn't look like the rest of the world. It's not going to mirror what we experience in our everyday lives. 
Following Jesus doesn't look like the rest of the world. In fact, if following Christ begins to fit in well with our society, we ought to wonder if God is really king or have we replaced God with a Saul or a David even. You know, the thing about David is he was great. He was a great king. But he wasn't greater than God. He led his people astray. And this all seems to be the trick. It's not only allowing God to be the one who is our sovereign. But it is making sure that we don't let anyone else slip into that role. I get You wouldn't believe how, how often I find myself feeling uncomfortable with the things I'm doing or the direction I'm taking or the longings of my heart. Because you know what? Here's my confession. I seem to do this a lot lately. Here's my, here's my confession. In my heart of hearts, I want to be like everybody else. You know? I want to have all that stuff. I want a Mustang. Don't you want a Mustang? Everybody wants a Mustang. <laughs> I want a brand new Mustang. Or even better yet, a 1968 Bullet Series Mustang. <laughs> That would be that'd be cool, wouldn't it? I want to look good. I want to I want to have the nice house. I want my kids to grow up in a good neighborhood. And the problem with that is that in order to grow up in a good neighborhood, we got to isolate everyone else in the bad neighborhood. <laughs> and it becomes an us and them thing. The problem with wanting to be like everybody else in the world is that everybody else seems to be trying to look out for just a small portion of the people. And just like when Saul was king, what that meant was that some people got a whole lot at the expense of some people getting exploited and taken advantage of. It can't help but lead to that. When we give in to this desire to be like everybody else, to be governed, and to have our battles picked out for us by someone else, it can't help but lead to that kind of corrupt world. But when God is king, and this is the problem, when God is king, the painful reality comes back to us in that says in order for God to be the God of everybody, we can't have this situation where some have and some do not. We can't have a situation where uh, you are prospering at the expense of everybody else. We can't have a situation where you are loved and adored and taken care of and other people are not. God seems to say to you and me, let me be king. Jesus comes and says to you, if, if you want me to be king, what it means is that everybody is loved. What it means is that everybody gets to be the children of God. What it means is that woe to you who are rich and blessed are they who are poor until the, the rich and the poor come together. Blessed are you who are, who are in control and dominating right now or, or woe to you and blessed are those who are oppressed and left out. 
If you want Jesus to be king, it means the whole world turns upside down. Crazy things start to happen. Lions are laying down with lambs. What's that about? Oh my Lord. That's what you get when Jesus is king. And it doesn't make sense in the world we live in. So I invite you along with me, to resist and fight against this temptation we have to be like everybody else. You know what? Here's another thing. I'm off on a thing here, but that's all right. You know, every think about all the movie star heroes we have. And almost every one of them, the reason they're heroes... Because at some point along the way, they turned around and they opened a can of whoop-ass. <laughs> right? We revere people. I mean, we, and it, we, we can't even imagine a story where the, first, where, the real, where the person who's the hero doesn't at some point turn to violence and exact revenge or finds justice at the end of a sword or with a gun. Even, even in my own mind, I can't help but think of the heroes of, of movies, the John Waynes and the even Shane. Even Shane, right? Don't you love this show? Shane. Where where Alan Ladd is trying to give it up. Try, he puts away his guns and his and his cool leather outfit. And he puts all that away. And he puts on his dungarees. And he's he's working out in the field. But the cattle barons come in and they're, and they're oppressing the people and they're trying to... Uh, the sheep herders, right? And Jack Palance is the hired gun. He's a great hired gun. He's so mean looking evil. Shoots him down. And what does Shane do? Goes and gets his gun and his little leather outfit. Straps it back on. Kills Jack Palance and rides off into the sunset. Turns to violence. That's the way the world works. But Jesus invites us to imagine a world where the, we're conquering our fears and conquering the world means to avoid violence. Means to work toward peace. And, and we even have a hard time imagining it. Because it's such a foreign, the kingdom of God is so foreign to what we experience in this world. So I encourage you to be uncomfortable when you're watching that movie and the hero is the hero because of the violence he exacts or she exacts against evil. Join me in resisting the temptation to long, to covet, to want the best at the expense, because it's always at the expense of someone else. Join me in longing, trying to long, trying to keep my eye on the kingdom of God of which Jesus is king. A kingdom where everybody receives where everyone is joint heir, where there is no haves and have-nots.
Because if we can't imagine that, if we can't embrace that as, as a possibility through God's help and through God's kingship, then how can we ever hope to transform this world? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, man, the world just creeps in so easily and we so easily fall into the trap of wanting to be like everybody else. Wanting things to work the way the world tells us it works. Because so often that seems so easy. But we know, God, that You have invite us, you invited us when we said yes. When we said, You are Lord of my life. That it was an invitation to live differently and to see things differently and to long for, work for, live out and herald in a kingdom of God that knows your justice where all are loved and affirmed and embraced by you by us help us to strive towards that convict us when we need to be convicted and just give us the strength to work we ask all these things in the precious and powerful name of christ our lord our savior and our king amen